Support for Motley Fool Answers comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, work with one that has your best interests in mind. Use Rocket Mortgage for a transparent, trustworthy home loan process that's completely online at quickenloans.com. Also, thanks to Harry's for sponsoring Motley Fool Answers. You can get a free trial set today, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, and shave gel. Just go to harrys.com. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined as always by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at the Motley Fool. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. In today's episode, we're going to discuss some of the headwinds facing women on the road to retirement and what women and men can do to help. We'll also answer your question about where to put your cash in retirement and see if Chris Hill and Jason Moser really know their stuff when it comes to Oreos. Double, double stuff. You see I got that. I that. That was good. That was good. It's time for Answers, Answers. And today's question comes from L.A. They just had their initials in the email. L.A. writes, I am 62, so my retirement horizon is within the next 10 years. In a recent podcast, Bro said that the closer you get to retirement, you should be pulling part of your money out of the stock market. What are some options for where to place the money? Well, L.A., that's a really tough question these days, because the classic alternatives to stocks are cash and bonds. And despite the fact that the Federal Reserve tried to boost rates a little bit earlier this year, the rates are still near historical lows. Still, that's where I'd start. And with I would create a mix of regular old cash, high-yielding CDs, which you can find at sites like Bankrate and NerdWallet, as well as some low-cost bond funds. So, some bond funds to consider would be Dodge & Cox Income, TCW Total Return, Double-Line Total Return, as well as Vanguard's short and intermediate-term bond index funds and their ETF siblings. Now, how much should you keep out of the stock market? In my rural retirement service, in our model portfolio for people within a decade of retirement, we have the allocation as 75% stocks, 25% bonds. And for those who are in or near retirement, we also talk a lot about what we call creating an income cushion, which is basically five years worth of expenses you need to cover from your portfolio out of the stock market. Again, in cash, CDs, short-term bonds. And if you're a relatively aggressive investor, maybe that's all you need out of the stock market, and you can put all the rest in stocks. A lot of this has to do what your other, with what your other resources are, though. So, if you have one of those classic defined benefit pensions, you can actually have more in the stock market. If you're relying completely on your portfolio, you should probably play it a little safer. Now, I know there are lots of people who do want to take, play it a little safer, but they can't stand the idea of investing in cash or bonds because the rates are so low. So, I think it's actually a great idea to use some of your safe money to pay off any debt you have, including a mortgage. Because if you pay off some of your mortgage, you are increasing your net worth because you're lowering your liabilities. You're creating more home equity, which you can tap later on in retirement, maybe through a reverse mortgage. And you're also lowering your expenses, which means you don't have to take as much out of your portfolio when you retire. And then finally, for those who are actually in retirement, I think it's worth considering a classic plain vanilla annuity. You hand over a lump sum of money and you get a check in the mail for the rest of your life. And there are studies that have shown that actually for some retirees, an annuity is a much better choice than cash or bonds. Um, but for LA, since he is not retired or she is not retired, um, don't worry about the annuity yet. And also, the longer you wait to buy an annuity, the bigger payout you'll get because it's based on your life expectancy. So, LA, don't worry about that until later. For now, just choose bonds and cash, which I know is no fun, but also watching an all stock portfolio go down 25 to 50% right before you retire is also no fun. 
thanks to Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans for sponsoring today's episode. Don't waste your time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial information to get a mortgage approval in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. Whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank, skip the waiting, and go completely online at quickenloans.com. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org number 3030. If you aren't one, chances are there's still one in your life that you care about, whether it's a mother, wife, daughter, or friend. And while being a woman has many perks, such as being able to wear skirts in the summertime, it's not all sunshine and daisies. When it comes to saving for retirement, women face many headwinds. So today we're going to talk about those headwinds and what both women and men can do to overcome them together. Dun, dun, dun. Yay! All right, so first headwind. Women earn and have less. Yes. So, women earn approximately 80% of what men make. And they're also more likely to interrupt their careers to either take care of children or older relatives. So, according to the Social Security Administration, the typical woman spends about 12 years out of the workforce. So, that means she falls behind in her career, but also means she doesn't have as much time to accumulate retirement benefits or save in a 401k. So, For example, according to the Employee Wellness Survey from PwC, 49% of female workers have saved less than $50,000 for retirement, compared to just 30% for men. Number two, headwind. Women receive less retirement income. This sounds like it's also a function of how much they make, right? Yes, Yes. Yes. It's all very related. So, According to the National Institute on Retirement Security, women 65 and older have 25% less income than men, and also female retirees are about 80% more likely to fall below the poverty line. And a big reason for this is lower Social Security benefits. So, in 2014, the average benefit received by a woman was 23% less than received by a man. And part of that is because of what we talked about earlier, that they spent some time out of the workforce. Social Security is based on your 35 highest years of earning. So, if there are years when you didn't earn any money, your benefit doesn't get any credit for that. Number three, women live longer. This is a good one, but also kind of bad. Right. Well, it's, of course, overall a good thing. But when it comes to retirement planning, it's a challenge because generally retirement begins when a person leaves the workplace and ends when life leaves the person. So the longer you live, the longer your retirement that you have to fund. Um, So from birth, women live about five years longer than men. For people who make it to 65, that gap actually shrinks to about two to three years. So, but still, they live longer. That has all kinds of consequences, one of them being that they're going to spend more money on healthcare. So, according to HealthView Services, which is a company that develops software that projects medical expenses, a healthy 65 year old woman who retires this year and lives to 89 is going to spend about $199,000 in today's dollars on healthcare. And that's Medicare premiums, vision care, dental care. Whereas, opposed, as opposed to a 65 year old male who would live to just 87, he's going to spend about $176,000 in today's dollars. So, her her medical expenses are going to be more than $20,000 more. Women are also more likely to spend part of their lives single. Yes. Um, and so my wife may not believe this, but marriage does enhance retirement security. Married couples are more likely to be adequately prepared for retirement than single folks. 
when you look at who's single in the 65 and older group, it's 19% of men, but 40% of women are single. And then once you get to the 85 and older group, 85% of women are widowed. Um, and so they're more likely to live on their own, and they're also more likely to leave, need some sort of long-term care later in life. So according to ARP, 70% of the people in a nursing home are women. Women also tend to retire earlier. Right. So the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College says that the average retirement age for men is 64, whereas the typical woman retires at age 62. And this is often okay. because women retire when their hus- wives retire when their husbands do, and on average, a husband is two to three years older than his wife. So they both tend to retire together. But so what that means is for the woman is she has a shorter career because she's retiring sooner. And she's going to live longer, so she's got a longer retirement to finance. And finally, the last headwind we want to talk about briefly is women often leave financial planning to their husbands. Right. So several several studies have shown that husbands tend to handle like the investment, investing and retirement planning of the household, whereas the wives take care of the budgeting and the bill paying and those types of things. And so the splitting up of financial tasks makes sense, but both spouses, to a certain degree, could be left a little ignorant about what's going on. The problem is, that we said it earlier, more likely to happen is that the husband's going to die first, and it's the woman who's going to have to pick up the slack. Um, also, several to- tests have shown that when it comes to financial literacy, frankly, men and women both don't score particularly well, but women do score lower than men. So they're not as equipped to handle taking on everything as maybe a man might be. All right, so those were the depressing headwinds. Right. Now let's talk solutions. Let's talk solutions. So, first thing, of course, is to become a money master, regardless of your gender and your role in the marriage. Um, you, everyone has to be a financial expert. Even if you hire a financial planner, you have to know enough to know whether you've got a good financial planner. Um, in fact, according to a study from Hartford Financial Services and MIT Age Lab, Couples who share the financial housework are actually more prepared than those who just rely on one person. And a pair that, uh, a couple that looks at finances together has taken more steps to prepare for what might happen if one of them passes away. So, regardless of whether you're married or not, regardless of whether someone handles most of the finances in the couple, both people have to be knowledgeable. What's the first step someone should take to becoming a money master? Like, is there a book that you like or a well, website? I'll, yeah, I mean, obviously I'll, our podcast. Of course, I'll give my classic favorite books: "Personal Finance for Dummies," um, written by Eric Tyson, and he actually there's other books too that he's co-written with another guy named Bob Carlson, who they have "Personal Finance for People Over 50," "Personal Finance for Seniors." So they've got a whole series of books that are appropriate for whatever your age is. And then my favorite investing book is Stocks for the Long Run by Jeremy Siegel. But anything written by John Bogle is also a great help. Um, And really, part of it is just being informed about what's going on. We've talked before about the letter from your dead husband, uh, which was an idea from Bob Hassmiller, who was a subscriber to my service, to my early retirement service. And he, every year, updates, lays out everything that's going on in their finances. because his wife just wasn't interested in it, and sadly, Bob passed away in the last year. Unexpectedly. Very unexpectedly, in a bicycle accident. So, and I'm sure his wife found it very helpful that all that was laid out for her. Yeah. All right. Second thing women can do is to understand how divorce, widowhood, and remarriage might affect you. Right. So, the dissolution of a marriage, whether it's due to death or divorce, can be financially devastating 
to anybody, but particularly to a woman if she was not the primary breadwinner in the family. Um, according to a 2013 survey conducted by the Women's Institute for Secure Retirement, otherwise known as WISER, which, by the way, is a great resource um, for women who want to learn more about finances, half of recent widows experienced a 50% drop in income after their husbands died. Um, and I think about my mom's situation when I think of a lot of this stuff. So she, my parents got divorced. Like a lot of parents, like a lot of moms, she stayed home, raised the kids. When she went back into the workforce, she became. She was a florist. She was a florist her whole life. So she went back as a florist. Perfectly respectable job. Does not earn a whole lot of money. Meets a guy. They get married when she's 59. He's older. He's retired. He's a retired cop, so he gets a pension. He says, it's time for you to stop working because it's time for us to go and enjoy our marriage and do all the fun things, which is great, except she retired early. And when he dies, that pension is going to stop. So my mom has to think about what's going to happen when he does pass away. Does she have enough assets to take care of herself? It's also important just to know how all these things affect benefits like pensions and Social Security. I don't want to get into all the details, but if you think about Social Security. So, for example, you are eligible to get benefits based on your spouse's work record as long as you were married for at least 10 years. If you were not married for 10 years, you get divorced after nine years and you were a stay-at-home mom during that period, you're not going to get any credit based on your husband's record. And of course, you could flip-flop the genders on that as well. Widow's benefits are actually different than regular Social Security benefits. You can actually claim them earlier. It's like all Social Security. If you claim it early, you get a reduced benefit. But it is different. So if you are a widow, you should know how to claim those benefits if you need them. And then like I said, you're eligible to get benefits based on either deceased spouse or ex-spouse's record. But if you get remarried before age 60, I believe it is, then you no longer have rights. So if you, are, if you are married to someone who made a lot of money and has good Social Security benefits, get divorced after 10 years, then remarry someone who didn't have as much of an impressive You've work record. You've been married for love the you second time around. Right. It's okay. Right. You may be reducing your Social Security benefits. I'm not saying that's not why you shouldn't marry the guy. He might be a wonderful person. Just but, wait. Just put it <laughs> so, off. Right. Wait till after age 60. Um, so it's, it's kind of a complicated thing, but you just have to be very aware of how all these different life changes and merit statuses and your marital status will affect all your other benefits. And a lot of what I said could also apply to pensions and... and um, Healthcare in retirement that is a, that is provided by your ex employer. So just be aware of all those things. All right. Third thing that women can do is to keep benefits in mind when they take a job. Right. So the job you take will impact so much about your finances. It's not just your salary. It'll be the healthcare you receive. It'll be the quality of your retirement plan. It'll be how flexible. Uh, your employer is in handling family situations, and this is important because not only are women more likely to be taking care of the kids, they're also more likely to be taking care of elderly parents or other older relatives. So keep all that in mind when you're taking a job. Um, studies show that uh, people who take women who take jobs in like the government, education, or healthcare actually have a higher retirement income and lower rates of poverty in retirement because those professions are more likely to provide a defined benefit pension, that traditional pension. So keep all that in mind as you plan out your career and decide who to work for. And the fourth thing women can do is to delay retirement until everyone, everyone is ready. Right. So just because one person in the marriage is ready to retire, as some sort of benefit that allows him or her to do that doesn't mean the other spouse 
should also retire. When you look at your retirement plan and run through your retirement calculators, as I love to do, as me too, <laughs> you have to look at various scenarios. What happens if we both live to our 90s? What happens if only I live to my 90s? What happens if only you live to your 90s? How does that affect benefits? And if one person retiring at this age means that the other person's maybe survivorship benefits from Social Security or from the pension or any other way would be adversely affected, then maybe both people need to keep working. All right. What about for the men? What can they do to help the women in their lives? Well, since men generally are the people who are doing the retirement planning and the investing, just to do it with the survivor in mind. So you have to plan on taking certain benefits, like Social Security, for example. If a man or the higher primary breadwinner takes Social Security early, not only will he or she get a lower benefit now, but will be passing on a lower benefit to the surviving spouse. If that means the surviving spouse will be in a bad place, then maybe he or she should delay. We mentioned the letter from your dead husband. Yeah. It's important to set up your finances in such a way that it will be easy for a surviving spouse to know who to contact, where all the accounts are, where the life insurance yeah. policy is, how things are invested, things like that. So, men listening, I'm sorry, you don't want to hear it, but you're probably going to die first. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, just just assume that you're going right. to die first. Right. And it really, and, it, and this applies to not just men, but anyone who has a certain amount of financial sophistication, should we say. You got to look out for your older relatives, plain and simple. Um, I think a lot of these things, these the issues between men and women in retirement, it is generational. Like, for example, there's that pay gap of 80%. Younger women in their 20s, the pay, the pay gap's only 93%. Um, today, uh, about 40% of households, the wife is the main breadwinner, compared to less than 25% back in oh, 1987. Wow. Yeah, that's a big shift. So, to a large degree, I think this is generational. Mm -hmm. And as people like my mom and they get older and other gen, like the boomers come up, it won't be as big of a deal. I think about my mom, for example, who was in her late 70s. And my dad owned a business that he started in, in I think, 1973 or 74. 401ks didn't even exist back then. They didn't mm -hmm. come around until the early 80s. So the whole idea of building up this big retirement account didn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, so I think a lot of this will change as the years go on. All right, and the last thing men can do, one of, I'm sure there are others, but the last one we're going to talk about today that men can do to help uh, their wives is making sure that they know the team. Who are we talking about with the team? Right, well, so if you use any financial services professionals, could be accountants, advisors, attorneys, life insurance agents, both spouses should be at least know what these folks do for you and how to contact them. And if you don't use anyone like that, if you have a situation where one person handles all the financial situations, all the financial planning and investing and things like that, and the other spouse isn't interested. Maybe start building a relationship with someone that you trust now, so that um, if the need arises in the future where the person who handles most of the finances is unable to do so, you already have a relationship with someone, and the survivor doesn't have to go out and find a, a financial professional that you trust when they're in a situation where they don't really feel comfortable making that decision. The bottom line is, while it may be rough, it's getting better, right. and everyone can be part of the solution to help all of the ladies we love get into retirement. 
because everyone everyone should have a fun retirement. Hey, thanks to Harry's for sponsoring today's episode. If you love a great shave at a great price, then have I got a deal for you. By taking less profit and selling directly to you over the internet, Harry's offers their blades at half the price of what you'd find at a drugstore. Half the price. Now, bro, I didn't actually uh, get to use this amazing razor blade. You did. How was it? Loved it. It was really well. It's probably the closest shave I've ever had. No question about it. And I'll bet you enjoy the half the price part. The half the price is nice. Maybe, dear listener, you're skeptical. That's cool, because Harry's offers a free trial set. You just pay $3 for shipping. You'll get a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision engineered blades, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You just got to go to harrys.com slash fool to get your free trial set. Those of you who listen to Market Foolery are sister... Sister podcast? Sister brother daily podcast? What do we call them? We're agnostic. <laughs> Not colleagues with benefits? Little little sibling. <laughs> I little like sibling. That. Colleague with benefits. <laughs> Those That's of you who good. listen to Market Foolery, uh, it's our daily podcast hosted by Chris Hill. You know that they have concerns about a current trend sweeping the nation. No. <laughs> It's not the fashionable trend of rompers for men, which I personally am on board with. I have no concerns wait, with. Wait till I come into work wearing one. We'll see if you. Yeah, feel let's that get way. your husband in here as a guest on the podcast, <laughs> and let's let's revisit this. There, you think he's going to feel the same way about rompers that you the, do? The Ron romper. <laughs> I don't think the so. The romper. Uh, it's also not the fidget toy. It's the Oreo, specifically the unhinged proliferation of flavors such as watermelon, fireworks, and Peeps. And now, Mondelez, the maker of Oreo, has announced a competition with a half a million dollar prize for suggesting its next Oreo flavor. Joining me in studio to talk about this trend and also taste test some of these new Oreo flavors is Chris Hill, or R, joining me R, because there's more than one of them, Chris Hill and Jason Moser. Hi, guys. Howdy. Welcome to Answers. It's good to be here. This is my first time on Answers. It's it is. He's on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> and literally on the other side of the table. He is. When was, I, when I on the yellow mic. Yeah, it, no. was, it was slightly awkward because yeah. Allison came in the studio and stopped and looked at me and she said, you're sitting in my seat. Yeah. And I said, oh, that's that, I'm used to sitting in the... The host seat. The host now seat. you know how yeah. I feel every Friday when I come in for Lonely Pool Money with Ron. There you go. <laughs> so first off, guys... Uh, why do you hate innovation so much? <laughs> also, America. Why do you hate America? I think so much? I will stand. I, I I will jump in here first. I don't really hate uh, America or innovation mm-hmm. uh, as much as perhaps Chris does. Chris <laughs> seems to really be anti Oreo innovation, or perhaps it's just the peeps. I'm not sure. It's the peeps Oreo set me off. But here's here's the thing. I've made, the, I've made this point on market foolery, and I stand by this <clears throat> point. If you're a Mondelez shareholder. I think it is legitimate to ask, are there too many people working in the Oreo division? All right, they mm-hmm. have, This is the number one cookie in America. They've got a, for years, it's been the number one bestseller. So, so wh- why do you the... need 60 new flavors? I feel like they're drunk with power in the Oreo d- division. I think that if you work in the Oreo division at Mondelez, you can just say, you can suggest any flavor you want. And it'd be like, sure, we'll do that. You know why? We already got the number one bestseller. We'll try the, it. Yeah. It's the ESPN of cookies. Yeah. Well, it's possible the R and D team heard, so heard about Chris's yeah. whole bourbon and Oreo thing, and now they're just going, just drinking bourbon and making Oreos. <laughs> they might. They might. It would explain a lot, frankly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, what I have for you 
in what is hor it makes for horrible radio, but let's just go for it. Are four Oreos. They are new flavors. I'm going to place them in front of you, and we are going to do a blind taste test to see if you can first off identify what the flavor is, and then also uh, we'll figure out which one's your favorite. Now these are Oreos, right? They're not like grasshoppers or hydrox. Hydrox, no. Hydrox, yeah, like some generic. These are not JoJo's from Trader Joe's. No, this is the real deal. And our eyes will be closed, so we will not be able to see. I know, and I'm going to trust you guys. So, all right, here I come. That was your first mistake. All right, right. so close eyes eyes now. See is for cookie. That's good enough for me. This is yours. See is right for cookie. This is six o'clock right there. Okay. So we're gonna start with cookie. Okay, I got it. You've got yours, Rick. Cookie, cookie, cookie. Start with C. You may try your first Oreo. All right. Graham cracker. I was gonna say there's a cinnamon something to this. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go cinnamon bun. Are we gonna get some help here? I mean, no, I don't need to because I'm gonna give the point to Chris because he got it right. Cinnamon bun. Wow, it is good. I like the cinnamon bun one. That actually was good. All right, let's go to three o'clock. Everyone touch your three o'clock cookie. <laughs> no, yeah. All right, now you're good, Jason. This one's gonna be oh, hard. Oh, 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 um, no, it's pleasant. I, I, I think pleasant is an overstatement. It is sweet. Yeah, this is this is too sweet. The cream filling is just all wrong on both of these. It's not the right texture. It's not the right consistency. Well, I'll tell you what. What is going on with these cookies is because they are such new flavors. These Oreos are really fresh. Like the cream, it's it really moves. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'll give you a hint, Jason. Your southern roots. It, it tastes like sugar and. Depression. Hey, I'm gonna give it to you. What? It's red velvet. Let's head to six o'clock. Are we going? Yeah, go for it. Oh, this is some kind of butterscotch something. But it tastes like some kind of walnut or pecan. Hazelnut. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's hazelnut because I hate hazelnut. Hazelnut frappuccino. It doesn't sound like you guys studied up on Oreo flavors before coming in here, and I appreciate that. I don't even know it exists. It's kind of mealy. It's like a Cake frosting or something. Cake. Yes, Engdahl's going in the right direction. Birthday cake? Birthday cake! Oh, man, Chris is nailing it. All right, last one. Let's see how you do. Go for it. (laughs) See, to me, this just tastes like a regular Oreo. Yes, but are you getting any sort of sensation aside from flavor? Hey! Is it the firecracker? It's the fireworks one! (laughs) I do do feel it now. Uh, Oh, it is. You know what? (laughs) I can feel it. Do you feel it? The taste is disappointment. Oh. This is not a very big fireworks show. Aww. Well, I feel the popping now on Do my you? tongue. Absolutely. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. It should, it should be a bigger, it should be, there should be more popping. You should yeah. be there should be more pop rocks. physical pain. Of, yeah. Cookie, cookie, cookie starts with Z. So, all right. It's still popping. I'm which one's your, which one's your favorite? Uh, the, I think the first one. Cinnamon bun? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, if if I was a hostage somewhere and they said you can have one of these four cookies, I'd go with the cinnamon bun. See, I'd go with the I'd go with the fireworks one because to oh. me that tastes like a regular Oreo, and honestly, to me, a regular Oreo is better than any of the other ones. Yeah, I'm with, I'm I mean, with on that. Yeah, fireworks effects notwithstanding. I think you're very trusting that they're being precise with how many pop rocks go into each one. And you're assuming that you're not going to get like a, a rogue cookie that's just loaded up with pop rocks. 
<laughs> this guy right here. <laughs> the key to this show is the shot of bourbon after all of the cookies are done. Then, well, you really tie I, the Chris I brought Hill the, the red episode. solo cups. <laughs> we'll see. It may or may not Who's be got bourbon. Some bourbon at their desk, huh? Next stop, my desk. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank you guys for joining us thank and you. for indulging us. And if you do want more uh, Oreo cookies, there are more well, at my desk. Thank you for not having peeps. So Chris and Jason actually spend more time talking about stocks than Oreos over on Market Foolery. At least I hope so. Uh, so if you want to check out their podcast, it's our daily podcast here at the Motley Fool, and it's just a really fun discussion about stocks making moves that day. I also want to thank Levi for the idea for the Oreo taste test, um, or you guys can blame him. Uh, he gave us the idea <laughs> over on our Facebook podcast group. If you're on Facebook and not part of the podcast group, you should join it and check it out. Um, it's a lot of Fun people talking about money and stocks and uh, Oreos. We have a good time. It's What's fun. the actual name of it? Is it Motley Fool Podcast? Motley Fool Podcast. Look it up on Facebook. It's a private group, so you have to ask to join, but we'll let you in. Just tell them you know, Allison. It's cool. <laughs> Give you the secret knock. All right, that's the show. Uh, it is edited forgivingly by Rick Engdahl. This was a tough episode to edit. Uh, and I appreciate him and all the work he does on the show. Thank you, Rick Engdahl. Uh, our email is answers at fool.com. And uh, for Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. And I have had one too many Oreos. Stay foolish, everybody. <laughs>